and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castile. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. Covenant, our place in God's plan. You have before me here what people often call the Lord's table. But E.W. Kenyon and I like to call this the blood covenant because what this is, is the blood covenant. And Jesus didn't refer to it or call it the Lord's table himself. He said, this is my covenant. So I would like us to have a shift today in our thinking and how we approach this as not, you know, sometimes when you change a translation or you change a terminology, you strip the spirit of religion off of it. I don't know if you guys ever noticed that, but when you change a translation or you reword something you, that you're so familiar with that verbiage, you strip the religion off of it. For example, uh, when Bishop Cheeto was here teaching on discipleship, he read Ephesians that says that for the equipping of the saints, but I've heard equipping of the saints so many times in 20, 30 years that it means nothing at all to me. So then he read it from another version that said to prepare the Christians for works of service, to prepare them for works of service. And it meant so much to me. I said, wow. And it totally shifted my thinking that I'm not supposed to just preach because I thought, you know, equip, equip, equip means preach, preach, preach. But the, the interpret the, the translation of works of service, prepare for works of service, uh, had me understand that I had to physically sit down with people and talk to them and show them how to serve. So stripping the religion off of a text because what happens, religion seeps in when, when something becomes traditional. So when you traditionally hear terms and biblical terms and Christian terms, and you hear them all the time in the church community, and you read about them and you hear about them and we use them, when they become traditional, they begin to lose its impact in our lives. So I like to sometimes introduce another paradigm shift to kind of help us look at things in a liver, in a brighter, in a more relevant way. And and I really like how how E.W. Kenyon uh, doesn't call this a Lord's table, but he calls this the covenant because this is the covenant. And when Jesus sat down with his disciples and he, and he poured the wine and he had the bread, he said, this is my covenant. This is my blood. And they all knew that they were participating in a covenant ceremony. So we're going to talk a little bit about covenant today and our place in God's plan. And you're going to follow along behind me, I suppose, right? Amen. So what in the world is a covenant? Covenant means to, first of all, the word covenant means to cut. So we understand the covenant is, is uh, there being uh, two parties coming together and there being a cut made. And, and both parties would maybe, for example, uh, a traditional way to make a covenant is someone would nick their, 
their hand or their wrist. Somebody else would nick their hand or their wrist and they would put it together and they would mix the blood together. And then sometimes they would take that blood and they would put that mixed within a glass of wine. And they would mix that wine together and they would drink the blood and the wine and they would come into a blood covenant. Now, of course, the children of Israel, they practiced covenant and covenant was something that was initiated by God. As a matter of fact, the very first covenant could be alluded to in the Garden of Eden. When you see Adam and Eve sinned, they began to make apron leaves and they tried to cover themselves, but it was not good enough. So we see later on that God himself provided for them some kind of covering. So God himself saw, uh, came down and we find this in, in the book of Genesis and he, he, in, in, he slew an animal and took the skin of those animals and he covered Adam and Eve himself. So we see that possibly alluding to the very first covenant. But then that covenant wasn't good enough. And then we go on to see more covenants and we'll look at that later. You see, the reason why we don't see the miracle power of God is because our belief system is not lined up with the word of God's belief system. But when we begin to line up our belief system with the word of God, then we begin to see the miraculous. Amen. Call now and get Joseph Castillo's Supernatural Healing CD series, which includes almost six hours of in-depth Bible teaching and inspirational preaching on how to fight for your healing, when is God's timing for a miracle, is it God's will to heal everyone? This is an exclusive offer for our Living Proof audience. Yours for a donation of only $49. Shipping and handling are included. In addition, order and we will throw in a free USB thumb drive for your computer along with your CD set. Later on. But a covenant can be defined as a mutual agreement between two or more persons to do or refrain from doing certain acts. So it's a mutual agreement between two or more people to do or to refrain from doing certain acts. It is applied to engagements entered into by and with the divine being as revealed in scriptures. So we're going to look here at some examples of covenant, and one of them is the marriage covenant, and we'll kind of see how the marriage covenant uh, paints a picture of, of a blood covenant. The key to covenant, the key to covenant, it always means being loyal to the other party. It is never simply an agreement to perform some external duty, but it is being loyal to another party. Interesting enough, when you come into covenant with somebody, one of the common things that you would have to do is list all of your liabilities and list all of your assets. So for example, if I would say in a, say in a wedding, and we're coming together as a husband and wife, she takes on my student loans. Right? She takes on my credit card debt. If I have a car loan, she takes on every debt that I have, every creditor that wants to get me is now also her responsibility. 
But every asset that I have is also her asset too. So now she has access to my banks, to my money, to my, my houses or my cars. Or, so she gets my, my liabilities and she gets my assets in marriage, right? But also I get her assets and I get her liabilities. I get her crazy mother-in-law. Well, her mother, my mother-in-law. I get her screwy Uncle Louie, you know. I, you know I, I get all of her assets and her liabilities too. I also get her rich Uncle Wang, you know. So now we need a new car. We call rich Uncle Wang. We need a loan, you know. So I get her assets and I get her liabilities. So in a true covenant exchange, there's an exchange between not only uh, the assets that they have, but also the liabilities. So if you're going to be in covenant relationship uh, with the church, your tithe is a token that you are in covenant with the church. See, it's you could do communion at home, right? Alone at home. But communion was never intended to be taken alone at home. Communion was, this covenant was intended to be taken within community, with the saints. And that's why we'll see in 1 Corinthians that communion was, when we talk about communion or the Lord's table or the covenant, in the book of Corinthians, it was done in the context of a community, not offending your brothers and being gracious to them and forgiving them and forgiving those who have hurt you because the Lord's table covenant was supposed to be done in community. So also the tithe is, is our token of our participation in the community. So it's not just your private tithe to God and that it's just your gift to God and God receives it, but it's also your gift to the community. You see that? Your tithe is also your gift to the community. So my, I have skin in the game. She has skin in the game. He has skin in the game. And we, our tithe is not only given to God, but it's also given to the community. Just like when we come to the blood covenant, we partake of the blood of the lamb. But us taking the blood of the lamb, us taking the body of the lamb, also has everything to do with how I treat you and how I feel about you. So we can't just escape this kind of, I listen to nobody but God type mentality. Because that's not how the kingdom works. The Bible says, how can you obey and love God who you can't see and you can't love your neighbor who you can see? You see, the reason why we don't see the miracle power of God is because our belief system is not lined up with the word of God's belief system. But when we begin to line up our belief system with the word of God, then we begin to see the miraculous. Amen. Call now and get Joseph Castillo's Supernatural Healing CD series, which includes almost six hours of in-depth Bible teaching and inspirational preaching on how to fight for your healing, when is God's timing for a miracle, is it God's will to heal everyone? This is an exclusive offer for our Living Proof audience. Yours for a donation of only $49. Shipping and handling are included. In addition, order and we will throw in a free USB thumb drive for your computer along with your CD set. Do you, do you understand me? 
So everything that we do in the Lord is not just like, oh, I give my gift to God. I give my tithe to God. If I don't tithe, that's just that's between me and God. No, it's also against your community too. And that's why when Achan robbed the tithe, the whole community lost the war because it's a sin against the community. And because of things like that, it's very serious. Even Ananias and Sapphira that misappropriated their giving and lied about what they gave to the church, they were killed by the Spirit of God in the New Testament under the blood of Jesus in the church for lying about what they were doing with their giving to the church. Because you have to understand that your tithe is a token of covenant that my assets and my liabilities, look, you bring your liabilities to church. We know it because we got to deal with them every week. Amen. Some of you don't brush your teeth. And I mean, I mean, we got to deal with your liabilities. Amen. But we also should be able to access your assets too. So who's really in covenant in the house of God? I know. I know who in the church is. I'm not going to call anyone out. But I know who's in this church that everything they have in their bank is available for God if needed. And for me and my wife, everything we have, every penny we have, our, our car, everything we have is 100% available to be used for the church. There's nothing that we hold back from the church. We're in covenant with the church. And I know Juan and Lucy and some other people are too. We are in covenant with the church. Whatever asset we have is at the table. And of course, we all know you get our liabilities, amen. <laughs> That's a given, amen. But how many of us, come to church and try and become part of a church community, but we're really not in covenant because we don't bring our assets to the church. True covenant is an an exchange of everything that you have to be in relationship with somebody else. How many people are your covenant brothers? I remember there was a time that we used to say, like, this is my covenant brother. Yo, man, what's up, my covenant brother? This is my covenant sister, hallelujah. Can I get $5 for gas? Oh, man, I don't have any money right now. I mean, things are tight. How many people in your life is really your covenant brother or your covenant sister? I could say for, you know, I, I, I don't know. I can't say both ways. I don't know. But I know as far as one way, I have a few people in my life that, that I at least would give them anything they ask if I have it. And if I don't have it, I would try and get a loan or try and do whatever I could do to help them out. There's a few people that I, I, I would say that I, at least I'm in committed into that type of covenant. But how many people are really your covenant brother and sister that you know if you really needed it, they would fork up the money, empty out their bank account, sell what they have to sell to help you out? Dr. Summerall said, if you have one or two covenant friends your whole life, you are wealthy above all men. So you have to really consider who are you really in covenant with? Who's really in covenant with you? And are you really in covenant with the church? And I'm not saying you have to be in covenant with this church, but I have to say this, that there are blessings in being in covenant. Amen. There are blessings to be in covenant. You don't have to be in covenant with anybody. You you could just stay single your whole life. And you know what? Some people say, I'd be happier if I'm single. And, and, And maybe so. But according to Yahoo News, unhappily married people are happier than single people. Sweet Jesus. Isn't that something? 
that couples that are fighting all the time, can't get along, yelling at each other, they're actually happier than singles. Hallelujah. (laughs) That was a survey done. I found that out in North America. And I guess that there's a sense of security that, you know what, we're always fighting at each other and we hate each other, but at least we know we got each other. Amen. (laughs) So there's a sense of security there that makes them more happy than those who are single. Isn't that interesting? So what really is covenant? You know, we, we, we can use this term loosely, but covenant really means that all my assets and all my liabilities are totally surrendered and they're at your disposal and yours also mine. Examples of covenant we're going to use is the Old Testament covenant sacrifice of the marriage ceremony let's look at some parts of this marriage ceremony here number one there's an agreement on the terms before you get into covenant with somebody you better make sure there's agreement on the terms i was with pastor favor last night from aom and he was telling me how him and his wife before they had kids they they they, they just discussed and agreed on every single point before they had kids unfortunately after the kids came everything changed but At least they had an agreement before, amen. Agree on the terms, know what you're getting into. Then there's the swearing of an oath. Thirdly, there's the offering of a sacrifice, a sacrifice. That's what our tithe is, a token of that sacrifice in 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 the house of God, amen. Then there's the witnesses. Then there's the feast. And then there's the giving of gifts. These are different components of the marriage covenant. Now, let's look at first the announcement of the change. Two single people entered, one united couple leaves. So two individuals come into a marriage ceremony, but when the ceremony is finished, they walk out as one flesh. Amen. Sharing each other's assets and liabilities. A marriage covenant is the death of our single nature, And the new creation as a couple before God. So once you get married, and that's the hardest part, you know, uh, is is dying to that single nature. You know, I like to leave the toilet seat up. My wife likes me to put it down. I like to leave the lights on when when I come out of a room. She likes to turn the lights off and save the money. You know, so, so dying to that single nature, you know, ma'am, we like to just when we come home, throw the socks on the window, you know, on the, on the lamp, on the lampshade, throw our jacket on the, on the sofa and, you know, kick, kick, kick our shoes in the middle of the floor and, you know, underwear hanging off the light sockets and, you know, but when you get married, all of a sudden the, the woman's like, no, no, I did not marry Wilbur the pig. Hallelujah. I married Prince Charming, I thought, Hallelujah. And you better pick up your own socks. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not a, I didn't get into this marriage to, to be a nanny. Hallelujah. Pick up your own socks. Wash your own clothes. Amen. So it's the dying of that single, that, that single will. Amen. And it's that single nature dying that is the difficult part. And I was just counseling uh, Daniel's getting married very soon. And I told him this is very difficult, you know, because, you know, Sometimes you want to be right. And in marriage, sometimes you have to know that you're right, but say that you're wrong. Amen. It's called death to self. Hallelujah. 
And then sometimes you find out that you were actually wrong. Hallelujah. <laughs> but marriage is really about dying to yourself. And the reason why people divorce is because somebody refuses to die to themselves. If both parties refuse to die to themselves, then there is no way to reconcile that relationship. Somebody has to die. Say amen. amen. In, a, in a marriage relationship, in, in a covenant relationship, say covenant relationship. Now we're using marriage, but I'm not talking about marriage. And you have to understand, Paul talked about marriage, and then Paul said, you got to understand, I'm not talking about marriage. Marriage is simply something that God gave us to give us a picture of covenant because the significant thing, the real thing that is dealing with eternity and is dealing with natural and physical and spiritual law is covenant. And God gave us marriage to explain to us how covenant works because Adam was created for covenant. He was created not so he could just get married and have kids, but he was created so he can have covenant relationship with God. And that covenant was lost. And God said, I'm going to show you through the marriage how covenant's supposed to work. Covenant means sacrificing. Amen. Let's meet our covenant sacrifice teams. Let's take a look here. Four covenants in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 9. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 9. If you have a Bible. And we're going to see the next covenant that took place after the alluded Garden of Eden covenant. Let's take a look here at a very solid expression of covenant in Genesis chapter 9. And in your notes, you could just note down 1 to 17 and you could go home and read it on your own. But it says here in chapter 9 verse 1, that God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Does that sound familiar to you? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Why does that sound familiar? Because that's what God initially intended to do through Adam. He told Adam, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. But Adam had failed in doing that, so now God is raising up Noah. Don't think that if you stop ushering or you stop working the sound or you stop singing that the Lord's just not going to be able to continue the church. You're so important. God will get his work done anyways. Amen. And Adam failed. Boom. So he goes, okay, well, let's go to Noah. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And the fear of you And the dread of you should be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth. I need to teach this to my kids because every time they see a, a bug, they're like, ah! They don't understand that the fear of them is upon the bug. Hallelujah. They should not be afraid of the bug. Amen. Can somebody say amen? We're afraid of snakes. We're afraid of spiders, all kinds of things. The fear of you is upon them. Hallelujah. And upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. Every morning, excuse me, every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even, that's, that's for you, brother, right there, Nick. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to you back there. Wake up. 
Every moving thing liveth shall be meat for you. Amen. Say amen in Greek. Hallelujah. Ella, Ella. Hallelujah. Even as the green herb. Okay. Oh, there's one for you too. Okay. <laughs> Even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, you shall not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it. So we go on here and God begins, let's go down to verse 11. God begins to point out to Noah how he's going to enter into this relationship. He says here in verse 11, I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any, shall any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token. So your tithe, I said, is also a token of your covenant relationship with the church. God says, I'm going to give you a token of the covenant which I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for a perpetual generation. Do you know what that token was that he gave Noah? Yes, I see somebody doing like this. Not washing your windows. The rainbow in the sky. The rainbow was God's token of his covenant that God would not do it again. And he put the rainbow as a token that he would not judge the earth and he would not destroy all living by water again. This is the next covenant we begin to see. Then we move on to Genesis chapter 15. And we see God still moving forward in Looking you to see, make the reason why we don't see the miracle power of God but one thing is we because do see our is belief that system God is not lined up with the word of God. Genesis chapter 15. But when we begin to line up our belief system says, after with these the things, word of the word God, of the Lord came then we begin to see Abram in a vision Amen. Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Which includes Abraham Lord God, what will thou give me? Seeing I go childless. Isn't that interesting? God is beginning to reveal himself to Abraham, and Abraham is already looking for what he's going to get. Amen. Because in covenant, you should get something. That's not, God didn't say, oh, check your heart, brother. No, because in covenant, there is a trade. There's something that you give God, and then there's something that God gives you. And Abraham said, what are you going to give me, God? Seeing I go childless. And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. And God begins to now make a new covenant with Abraham. Now this covenant that God made with Abraham is one of the most significant documents ever seen or given in world history.
Praise the Lord. I trust you are blessed and encouraged. We have more on this series coming to you next week. So tune in next week and catch the broadcast. Make sure you call and send in a donation. Send in a seed. Support this ministry if it's blessed you in any way. If you think it will bless and encourage others, your financial support is very important. If you go to our website, nfbeijing.com, forward slash store, you could get some of our ministry products, CDs, and we'll be offering the DVDs of all these sermons coming soon. So go visit us online, like us on Facebook, add our YouTube channel, where you're going to get a bunch of bonus materials, everything that you don't see on the show, you're going to get that on the YouTube channel, of Church at YouTube, and be blessed and encouraged. We love you. We want to encourage you to re-dig the wells of our fathers and also dig new wells for what God's going to do in our generation. 